RingCentral are the leading cloud communications and collaboration solution for today's workforce. RingCentral integrates your team messaging, video meetings and business phone into one application so your team can do more together from anywhere. For a free trial, visit ringcentral.com.au. RingCentral, communications reimagined. Welcome to the Employees Matter podcast, where we bring you the latest information to help business owners, entrepreneurs and managers manage their team through COVID-19 and beyond. Listen in as we share leading edge information with experts across a variety of fields, from HR to legal, to negotiation, to mental health, and so much more to help you not just survive, but thrive through the pandemic. And now here's your host, Natasha Hawker. My next guest is a real treat. His name is Sean Radnich and he's much better known as Zorro, who is a born and bred Chavillian. Sean has just hit the big 50 years young and has experienced the bright lights of the city, but chose to go back to his roots and take over a business that has shaped him into the person that he is today. He describes himself as a knockabout Australian who believes family and lifestyle are just as important as his patch of the greatest country in the world. If you had said 10 years ago that he would be mayor of Charlieville, he would have laughed at you, but he's very humbled that the people of Charlieville have given him this opportunity to move their town in the right direction. Sean says he has a simple but effective life, but if his story gets you to thinking that maybe moving to the country is for you, make sure you take the leap as he thinks you will never regret it. Hang on to your hats as I treat you to spending some time with Zorro. So we see that there are a number of significant themes coming out of COVID for the workplace. And there are five as we see it. Number one is JobKeeper and the impacts of that. And that's from the longer term perspective. Number two is around restructuring, redundancy and unfair dismissal. Number three is population decentralization, which is what we're going to be talking about today. Number four is the individual versus collective employee management. And number five, which is a big passion point for me, is around the mental health and domestic and family violence situation that has um, exacerbated, been exacerbated by COVID. So today we're going to be exploring what I'm calling population decentralization, moving out of the cities and into the country. And I'm super excited to welcome the mayor of Merway, Mayor Sean Radnidge. How are you? Good morning, Natasha. How are you going? Good. Now, I have been told I have permission. You and I have spoken a few times before, but apparently I should be calling you Zorro now. So I feel like we're best best buddies. But uh, where does Zorro come from? Oh, Natasha, that's one of the good things about living in the bush is um, living in these regional areas is, you know, everyone's got a nickname out here. And um, the more time you spend... um, yeah, like I've, I've done quite a few interviews, especially around the um, around the media and stuff like that. And everyone asked the same question. I actually had Ray Hadley ask me, Natasha, and as I said to him, Ray, I can't give that information out on the first um, date, the first the first interview. I, I suppose we could say, but no, it's um, everyone in the regional areas usually has got a nickname, and it's it's just really good. And I'd I'd appreciate if you would call me Zorro because the only one that calls me Sean is usually my wife, and when I'm in trouble, which is okay. Quite often, so um, no, but. Um, Mate, with this stuff, it, it it happened a long time ago when we were um, 10 years old. And I can tell you it had, um, we used to, one of the best things about our childhood was we had plenty of horses and stuff like that. So it centres around there, but I can't give you the 
That's uh, all right. Yeah. We're going to leave it as a, when, when, when we get these people to move to the regional areas and they move to Merway, Charleville area, I'll, I'm happy to sit down over a beverage and let them know the full story. Well, that sounds fantastic. Um, I, do you ever get sick of uh, being addressed as the mayor? It's, um, it's, it's one of those funny things. Um, I still don't see myself as the mayor. Um, I, people address me as that sort of thing. And I just go, well, I'll be honest. The EA of the CEO says, I say, why do these people ask me these questions? She said, you do know you're the mayor. Yeah. I know it is. And I don't, I don't mean to cheapen that in any way, but it's a, it is a great privilege, but uh, yeah, it, I'm, I'm, I'm one of those knockabout blokes and I'm never going to change. I've promised myself that. And uh, yes, I do find it a little bit difficult sometimes, especially when you're talking to politicians and they address you like that, but yeah. uh, it is a great privilege and I still can't believe it happened. And um, yeah, I'm very proud to be here. So I'm going to explore that in a little bit more detail um, later on. But, you know, I what I was so excited about was getting you on the Employee Matters podcast today to share your story. But I'm really keen to hear what you're seeing happening to your town of Charleville and the towns that surround you. Um, so let's start at the very beginning. How did you end up where you are today in terms of career and family? Because I understand that you were actually born in Charleville, but left and came back. Tell us about that. Yeah, Natasha, I'm, I'm Charleville born and bred, Murway Shire. And yeah, I just a normal childhood knockabout kid. I was one of those uh, kids that went through school and probably didn't apply myself as best as I could and got to the end of grade 10 and my mum gave me the choice of going back to grade 11 or finding a job and so I, I tried to find a job um, in those days which was good we our, our first avenue was the shearing sheds and you went out and uh, you know it was pretty hot it gets pretty hot out here mm. in summer so um, I decided to go back to grade 11 and I think I was about six weeks in and I remember going to art class and uh, and the, the teacher actually gave me uh, two foolscap pages of assignments and because you know being a good yeah. good good country boy I chose them really hard subjects art and things <laughs> like that and um, yeah I said I asked her I said Mrs uh, these assignments are they for the year and she said no they're for the first semester so I went home that afternoon and I said to my mum mum I don't know where the school's right for me <laughs> and um, and so she said well if you need to find a job you need to find a job and I was very lucky that um, there was work and there was an apprenticeship going at the butcher shop and I applied for it and there was two guys got selected and I was one of the lucky guys to get um, get the job I suppose I, I didn't probably didn't think so back in 1989 but um, yeah it, it's just evolved from there so um, it's just one of those stories where like I said I was probably one of those kids that didn't apply myself I'll, I'll admit to that but um, yeah it, it, not everyone's made for school and I'm very happy so after I finished my apprenticeship um, I played a bit of rugby league out here in um, in Charleville and I thought I wanted to test myself a bit. And the story was when you live in the outback areas, and I imagine this regards in New South Wales, mm. any of those areas, that we have a problem with getting over the Toowoomba range. So the story is if you don't go to Brisbane, if you go to Toowoomba, which I did, yeah. um, you don't get over the range. So I didn't. But we had 10 very good years, my, my wife and I, 10 very good years in um, Toowoomba, met a lot of good friends, learned a lot of stuff that um, playing rugby league, but not only that, not, not at the time I probably didn't realise, but I had some really good mentors that um, rugby league's probably taught me more about life and work and things like that in the fact, um, you know, the harder you work, the, the more work you put in, the more you get out, stuff like that. And it's probably evolved in there. So so we went to Toowoomba for 10 years and then um, 1988, I got the opportunity 
to, uh, I spoke to my old boss and they were having a pretty tough time at that time. They'd had the 1990 flood and it took a bit of recovering mm. to get over. And I must've mentioned to him that I'd be looking to buy it at some stage if it was for sale. Never told my wife, um, <laughs> got this phone call in May, 1988, uh, 1998, sorry. And, um, Holy dooly, whirlwind later, six weeks later, we were back in Charville, um, proud owners of the butcher shop where I'd done my apprenticeship at and um, still at today. So in terms of career, I, I used to joke because when we first come back, I live in my mum and dad's house and we bought that house. And so I always joked that I really haven't moved too far. I'm, I work at yeah. the, the, I live in the same town, I work in the same place and I live in the same home. So, but very proud to be back. And it's probably one of those things that, um, you know, it's probably one of those, it's just, it just things happen for a reason. It's probably one of the best decisions we've ever made. And so your wife wasn't a country girl, as I understand it. How she coped with moving to Charleville? My wife, Kerry, is a Sunshine Coast girl, would you believe? Uh -huh. And um, so she had a bit of family out in Charleville. And, um, and actually, it, it sort of ties in on what we're talking about today because she finished school in grade 11 also. And um, her auntie had a hairdressing shop and... Um, yeah, so the, the opportunity come up that she would take up an apprenticeship as a hairdresser. So, yeah, I suppose, you know, obviously the listeners won't be able to see me, but once you see a picture of me, how, how could you refuse? <laughs> um, so, um, yeah, that was back in, oh, geez, like I say, probably two, 1989. And and here we are today, back in Charlotte. It did take a lot of talking back to, because uh, we really had a great lifestyle in Toowoomba at the time. And, um, you know, obviously you change is probably the biggest thing that you is is a deterrent of jumping in and jumping into the deep end and having a crack and but like i said um i'm a good talker and i can get that get my point across and i said this is too good an opportunity to pass up and here she is so i probably can't say that um yeah i, I probably need her to do, i'll leave that to her yeah. to say it was one of the best decisions that she's made but anyway that's how our courtship happened and here we are still here today in 2021 that's a great story. So it interests me. How does a boy from the bush who bought the local uh, butchers become mayor of Merway and why? You know, did you always see a political career in your future when you were in that art class and you decided, I don't like assignments? To be honest, Natasha, no, I'm one of those people that, like I say, I was probably a late bloomer in the fact of how you think about things. Um, so, yeah, I'll be honest, I couldn't even do the till. Um, when we first moved back to Charlo because I've had several bosses over the time that have been really good mentors and they've tried to show me that stuff and I, I'll be the first to admit that I'd go, oh, I don't need to know that stuff. But no, it was about, I suppose, when I turned 40, so back um, in 2011 that there was a council election on and I sort of I sort of worked my way through. I, I, we started up Charlo Junior Rugby League when we moved back and we started the Charlo Comets. So I've always been into, um, always been pushed into the more of the... Um, directorship side of sporting groups more than I've done a lot of coaching but probably enjoyed that being on the committee more and motivating people so sort of thought in 2011 when things were pretty tough we'd been through a couple of floods and stuff like that and I thought well a good mentor of mine give me some advice one day about some a footy club and I said listen if, you, if you're going to complain about someone doing a job get in and do it yourself so about 2011 I thought about it but the kids were still pretty pretty young so I sort of let it slide for a little bit, and then 2016, um, things were in the middle. Of, we're in the grip of a, probably the, one of the biggest droughts we've been through, and one of the one of the hardest. And I thought I've got to probably value add to my business 
and if I, like I said, if I want to add to my community, it was, it was a good fit at the time. So 2016, I put my hand up for um, for council and Zorro for tomorrow was um, was ah, born. Lovely. And um, that was that come from a mate of mine after a carton, the great um, carton of um, mid strength cans. Yep. And um, Most yeah, and then the creative work done there. Well, it was about two o'clock too, so yeah, the best time to work. But um, yeah, so then to be honest with you, 2000 and, um, 2020, the elections were rolling around and yeah, I had a, I had a young guy working for me at the time who, who was starting his family and he, he asked me if he could get more work, more hours. And I sort of said to him, well, things are still pretty quiet in the bush. Um, you know, the shop was still pretty quiet because we we're, we're, we're still in drought. Um, so I said to him, well, I'm going to have to add on to something so this all happened I'll, I'll be honest with you had mid-January so we had till the middle of February to put nominate so I thought well give it a go threw out the Zorro for tomorrow and here we are today I still can't believe it now you wouldn't share this but I believe it was a bit of a landslide victory yeah I mean like I say I always take everything back to my rugby league days or my sporting days you win by one you win by 100 if you lo- lose by one you lose by 100 so okay. yeah that, that, that sort of thing um doesn't sort of phase me too much. Yeah. Obviously, obviously, very humbling that the community have got a lot of faith um, in in what we try and do, and they obviously believe. So now it's up to me to follow that through and and do that. But it was very humbling. I'll admit, I did. Um, we had a little private barbecue that night, and I'm not much of a person for statistics, Natasha. But um, you know, they're all pretty excited, and you know, it is what it is. I'm still good mates with the. The ex mayor and she done. A, I was I was a councillor with um, our ex mayor Annie Liston and she done a great job because seriously, if I if I was to bag what happened previously, I got to bag myself. So now it was just an opportunity, opportunistic time, and I think it was timing was right. And yeah, as I say, I still I still can't believe it. But yeah, statistics don't um, phase it. It you can get a job as we both know, but it's how you do that job is the next stage, which is absolutely key. So what do you love about your role and what frustrates you? I really love about this role is that being on the council for four years previously, you had a bit of input, but um, not as much as mayor. Um, those ideas that we kick around in our heads and think to ourselves, um, we take it to a, a forum. There's four councillors and a mayor in Merway, and um, sometimes those ideas don't get, um, don't see the light of day because you know, like that's that's what council's about. You have you have you have ideas and you take stuff on, you talk about it and move on. But I'll say the thing that really motivates me is being mayor. Is those ideas um, you can you can really push to make them fruition. I've got a really good council that are a, a lot of older gentlemen. They're in their um, just into their sixties. So to bring that fresher look, I believe, being just turned fifty myself. Um, yeah, I really enjoy that part of the job and not only that, having um, having the opportunity to shape which way we're going into the next into the future is, is very it's exciting. It's a legacy aspect to it, isn't it? You know, for your kids and, and their mates. Well, and, and, and the listeners can't see us, but you can see some pictures in the background, yeah. which really really, um, really hits home. I, I do look at that stuff and I sort of think, well, one day, my my um, yeah. my is going to be up there for the future generations, and it is a legacy thing. I don't sort of look at it that way, Natasha. I have had people um, I have had people say to me, "Listen, this project would be excellent if you wanted to. You know, you can have your plaque, and you can do all that." And I said, "Well, the only plaque I'm really interested will be on my headstone, so yeah. that can say whatever it likes." I mean, I'm not a person that says, "Yeah, I, you know, Zorro done this because it's a team effort," but it is a legacy thing, and we are, like I said, it does ramp up the. Um, 
the that the stakes in the fact that you know when you when you run a, a club a community club or anything like that some of those decisions don't even you know people in the community don't see but being in this role they definitely see it and they definitely judge it and yeah. um happy for that to happen because you know like i say i take everything back to sport and i say you know when they give you a rap and i say listen you're only as good as your last game of footy i've been there yeah. and done that i've had some good ones and i've had some bad ones but yeah, that's the part I really enjoy. The part that really frustrates me is government, local mm. government is so slow. Mm. Um, I, I'm, I'm pretty an honest sort of person in myself and the fact that I know I'm impulsive and compulsive. Um, my wife will tell you that. And so I, I like to keep myself very busy and I like to get things done. And it's very frustrating that slow. you, um, it slows down. But... Once again, here's our opportunity to change that. And um, yeah, I'm not the first and I won't be the last, but hopefully by the time we do finish in our terms as councillors, my councillors and myself, that we have improved Merway in that regard. And, you, and you, you know, you've seen the difference you make. So it, that's an interesting segue into, you know, life in the country can be really, really tough. What are some of the challenges for you personally and for your town over the last few years? Natasha, I look at things, I go right back to the beginning. So in 98, we, we took over the butcher shop. And, I, and I'll be honest with you, we we, we owned it. We bought a house in Toowoomba and um, and we really had no plans to leave. So so we, we come to Charleville and um, everything we had, we had to borrow. So it was a really, I won't say tough start, but just how people start. It's, it's, it's a good way to be. You know, starvation brings out the best in people. Um, and I'll say that business really taught me that, um, you know, yeah, so we are, we've been in the butcher shop for 21 years, and I'll say that we've, um, out of those 21 years, I reckon we've had 15 years of drought. Mm. And we've had four floods, so um, there's not a lot know, of time left. Um, there's so it's it's all about making do with what you got. Um, pick yourself up when you're down, and that, that's 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 some big lessons in there. And the fact that, like I say, it's um, it's a good eye opener that. I'll be honest, when we went through the um, 2010 flood, ABC called and um, we didn't realise what was going to happen at that stage. So everything we own is in bricks and mortar. And um, ABC asked, how do you feel this morning after the flood? And you go, well, well, I said, it's a bit of a sobering thing because last night I went to bed potentially having a, you know, over a million dollars worth of assets and you wake up the next morning and it's all been underwater. And so it's sort of a very sobering um, thought pattern that you really got to... Yeah, and that's where you—that's the stuff. Like, you know, that's where it's—it's it's hard. You got to pick yourself up, resilience, and you um, dust yourself off. Um, as I say, I, I use that term, and I probably don't know—I don't know if we'll make it. But the starvation brings out the best in people. That's mm-hmm. where—that's where we learn about ourselves. And it's still pretty tough. As I said, we're still in the middle of one of the biggest droughts. So, um, so it's been—I won't say it's been a great experience. I mean. Um, we have three children that are um, the youngest has just got her license. She's 17 and they've had the opportunity to grow up in, in, in a regional area, a regional town. And I'm very proud that it's my hometown. Um, when, I, when we moved back, my dad was in his um, early seventies and I had 10 really good years with my dad. So I, I take that as a, I take everything as it comes that, um, you know, it was all, it was all mapped out potentially. On, um, but I just think, you know, those lessons in life of, just something you look back on, go, geez, I'm glad I've done that. And yeah. those little things where you go through, we, and there, there's been some good times, please. I don't want to focus on yeah. the bad, but yeah, there, it's been a pretty, pretty roller coaster ride. And everyone out there that's going to be listening would probably be going, yeah, let's face it. All right. So we've had, we've had floods, we've had droughts. And then 
after the last flood, Natasha, I'll be honest with you, I thought to myself, well, if we can get through this, we can get through anything. Mm -hmm. And then next minute we heard this thing called COVID-19 roll in. And, um, but yeah, once again, it's, um, it's been a challenge. And that's one thing I think that's get you ready for it. You know, like it's all about those lessons that you've learned. All right, let's reassess. You know, you know, if we need to do this, you need to cut back. And yeah, I, I think, um, yeah, I think that's one good thing about living in the living in, in the regional areas. It gives you that sort of steeliness that you can get through nearly anything. Yeah, nearly which, anything. Is, which is absolutely brilliant. And I think resilience is key there. And I loved it when you said, you know, you dust yourself off. I often say is to be a business owner, you need three key things. You need to be um, incredibly resilient to pick yourself up and dust yourself off. You need to be incredibly optimistic to know that with hard work and effort, it will work out okay in the end. And the last thing, I think in some ways you need to be a little bit naive because I think many of us, if we knew then what we knew now, you may not have bought that butcher shop if you knew what was coming for you. No, and, and I've sat through countless um, government, um, been to conferences and things like that. And and it's funny those key words resilience. And I sit up, I sit back in the room with um, you know country mayors, regional mayors. We usually stick together. And um, I was sitting next to uh, the Blackall mayor at the time, who's a good friend of mine. And you know I hear politicians that are ministers talk about our regions, our areas need to have resilience and things like that. And I say, well, are you for? Re I said, yeah. <laughs> and I don't know if this will make light of day, but. Um, you know, I, I actually said to Andrew and I said, geez, I'd like to see him turn up at a butcher shop on Monday morning because you've had a pretty big afternoon on Sunday because you're thinking, oh, how am I going to pay these bills? How am I going to pay my boys? And you just, you turn up for work and go, all right, she's on again. Let's go, let's go. And, and you know, you're talking and you're right. It's those three key things. You, you hit the nail on the head. And um, and I don't think, Natasha, those those lessons you've got to learn as yes. well. You know, people can tell, talk to you and talk to you and, but it's the lessons you learn and more than likely COVID-19 has really shown it that yeah, people have had businesses that were very profitable two, three years ago, all of a sudden have been flipped on their heads. Yeah. So, you know, I, I feel for those guys because you know, that stuff's been happening for a long time in the regional areas. And I don't think it gives, I don't think it gives you any confidence that we can get over it any better. What we can do is actually give them advice on how to push through it. Exactly. Which I think is so key. So we've talked we've talked about some of the challenges. Let's talk about the advantages. What are the advantages for people potentially who are living in the big city and we're seeing it a lot, who are thinking of moving to the country? What what's in it for them? Why should they do that? Natasha, two and a half years ago, we sat in a council meeting and um, we talked about bringing people to the regions, our region. I mean, we're pretty biased, um, so we talked about the Murway Shire. And honestly, two years ago. All we had to going for us, we're in the middle of the drought. We're still in that drought. Um, our ratepayers are doing it really tough. Our, our biggest industry, agriculture, is is doing it really tough. Um, was our lifestyle. Um, we've got a great lifestyle. I mean, from one end of town to the other is about 12 kilometres. We've, we've got a township of about 3,300 people inside. We have a we have two smaller towns, Morven and Augathella as well, which are going really well. And the fact that we've got younger brigade coming through, but our biggest thing, the kids can still ride to school. I can, I can give you countless stories about my kids on motorbikes on a Sunday doing things wrong. And I'll get a phone call that someone saw them and, <laughs> and I get the phone call. So I'll, I'll ring on their mobile and ask what they're doing. And, and they'll say, and I'll, and I'll say, don't you, you better not lie to me. I, but our lifestyle, the upbringing of our kids, being able to ride to school, um, 
just being able to just have that day-to-day interaction. I mean, I really feel, you know, we are in the grind when we're in Toowoomba as well with that traffic and things. You just don't sort of see it. But honestly, I leave work at five to six and I get to work at six. And I believe, I look back on the weekends and I just think I'm, we're blessed in the fact that what I do, um, what I do, you know, 15 minutes out of Charleville last Sunday, we, a group of guys, six of us that do a lot of exercise during the week, we jumped into kayaks and, um, 15 minutes out of town, we've, we've done an eight kilometer kayak and it's goes, how, how good is it? It doesn't cost you any money. Um, now I would say that, you know, our lifestyle is our biggest thing, especially for our children. Um, you know, as we're going to talk about shortly is our housing offerability. Um, but, but lifestyle is the key. And I really think COVID-19 has brought that to a fore. Do you know, it's interesting when you say that, because it sounds to me like it's almost the town that's helping raise the children, you know, everyone's looking out for everyone else. And I think that was one of the things that I observed as a result of COVID. I think a lot of people in this fast paced life, and I live in Sydney and it's go, 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 and you're running here, there and everywhere. And I think a lot of people, the the silver lining for them in COVID was, was we actually got to take a breath and breathe and actually got to enjoy our family rather than being on this, you know, treadmill of they've got to be there, got to be there. And I think that was wonder, a wonderful thing that came out of COVID was people actually said, I actually liked that change of pace, you know, that different lifestyle. 100%. And, you know, who would have thought, as we say, businesses have been kept on the head, office buildings. If you owned an office building in the middle of Sydney, say, two and a half years ago, let's say, or 12 months ago, mm. honestly, you, it was like a superannuate. You were guaranteed yeah. that you had 4,000 people working in that building, bang, bang. Then overnight, yeah. it just stopped. All of a sudden, people are living in there. They, they can work from home yep. if you're lucky enough. But just to have that opportunity that if you were working from home, you could spend some time with the kids after they got home from school. Yeah. You sort of go, like you say, you take a breath and go, geez, I really enjoyed that. And and I've got some friends that live in the city as well, and they get into that grind. And I had some phone calls over COVID at Easter time, it was. And I had one guy that was really, he was cooped up in uh, in his unit in Brisbane, and he asked me, he said, Jorah, what are you doing? And I said, I'm sitting out the back. I've got the fire going. We could go 50K at the time. So we went yeah. fishing that afternoon, my, my son um, and myself. And I said, I'm drinking beer. <laughs> I'm goes, balls. I said, so what are you doing? And he goes, I'm cooped up in this unit. I can't move. I can go out and get groceries. And he said, have you changed? And I said, honestly, no. I hadn't. My lifestyle hadn't changed because what we were doing during COVID, we do normally, normally anyway. Um, so yeah, I, I really think you're right. It give everyone a breath, Natasha, and it's really yeah. brought that it's really brought that lifestyle to to a head that it isn't important to leave work at five in the morning to get to work at seven. You know, I, I couldn't do that. Four hours, say if you travel an hour, well, that's ten hours a week in the car. Mm. You know, all of a sudden you got those ten you, hours you back. Ne- you never get them back. You never no. get them back. That's the only thing you can't get more of is time. Once it's gone, it's gone. So I'm starting to get a really good picture of life in Charleville but are there any myths about life in a country town that you'd like to bust you know for the city slickers that think oh this is what it's going to be like is it really like that I can say that um, we have had conversations about do you have bitumen all the way out here Um, oh wow my brother-in-law asked me when my wife and I were courting do they sell Mars bays out here (laughs) this is important it is important um and yeah, I can I can honestly say that it, apart from the retail side of things, 
um, in that regard because I just want to paint the picture that regionally we we have suffered over the last couple of years with the drought and population and stuff. But you can nearly do anything that you do in your area apart from like I. Honestly, I'm not a beachy per, sort of person. I'm, like I said, we, we go to the river and we do stuff like that, but I'm, I could take it or leave it. But apart from having that sea and stuff like that, you know, we have the coffee shops, we have that. It's a lot more relaxed lifestyle. I can honestly say that we probably had half a dozen internet businesses start up since yeah. COVID. Um, so honestly, the myths I'd like to break down is, um, you know, if you wanted to, if you were to say, right, I, I wanted to do a tree change and I wanted to run my... Uh, medical business out of, and I'm pretty biased, I'll say Charleville, um, but I've got to fly to um, the, the biggest cities in Australia at, at a regular time. Well, at the moment, we get a flight a day, mm. um, three with Qantas, um, two with Rex. And we, yeah, I would say that we would break down those barriers where years ago you had to live in a, uh, in a city to actually to, to congregate with those people, to do your job. So that's probably the big, biggest myth is, you know, that you can break down, you can do your job from anywhere now. Yeah. It's, it's interesting because I started a business working from home nine years ago, over nine years ago now, when it wasn't done. And uh, so we, we always say we're ahead of the curve. But I was always, you know, especially to some of your more traditional businesses saying, we can absolutely work from home. It's not perfect, but it can be done. And at different times, it needs to be done. And you can get a bigger um, talent pool of candidates and great people to work for your business. So I think that is key. And I don't think that's changing. That hybrid model is going to be here to stay. The other thing that I'd like to explore around this piece, and, and it's from conversations with both you and Pete, is around the social life because I think you probably have a better social life than what a lot of people, and there's a lot of loneliness in the city, you know, and I think it, it not to go, but internet dating, I don't think is working for people. It's too far removed. I don't know. But, um, you know, I, I think there's a lot of lonely people in the city and I, and I get the sense that it's much more high of a social activity than what people, you know, perceive in the country. It, it, I will say there is some challenges in that regard as well, Natasha, in the mm -hmm. fact that when you do move to a, a country town or a regional town, that um, you do, if you don't know anyone, it is it is very hard. And, you know, the first bit of advice that I give is, and I've learnt this, as I say, is that you join a sporting club or mm -hmm. anything like that. If you if you want to sit at home, you will not meet people. There's, they, they won't come and find you. So you need to be pretty, um, pretty you know, keen to be involved. Yeah, involved. and. So that's what we do. We, we say about that. If you want to contribute to our community, you're more than welcome. I mean, I can give you several instances. As I say, there's a bike group, probably about 12 guys, ladies and men. Yeah. Um, and we've got a, a local councillor who's on my, um, he's on my uh, council, Robbie Eckel. And if you come to town and you're a keen biker and you, you haven't got a bike, he'll find your bike. Yeah. Um, but it's, in terms of social life, um, I'd, I'll say there is one detriment that um, there's a lot of room for investment in that regard because we did lose some um, pubs, which along the way we have. And um, but the young ones still seem to um, they still seem to be able to um, to make do. There's they they we do have a three good really good pubs in town, and we do have an, a really good RSL club. But they, in these sort of places, you can make your own fun. Yeah. Um, as far as my social life goes, I'm I'm very blessed in the fact that, and you'll 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 take where is you know in the, in in those bigger metropolitan areas, you feel obliged to make a phone call before you turn up. Yeah. Whereas I'll say this that um, 
like we could have potentially five or six people turn up over the weekend. Um, all you need is a six pack. Yeah. The ladies, <laughs> bring a, bring, the ladies bring a platter, but it's just, it's that easy. It's that relaxed lifestyle. So once you sort of, and we, we take that job pretty serious as, as a council. Um, I mean, during COVID, we had a lot of people come into positions that potentially couldn't move about. You know, we had a, had a new lady at CUFUS and things like that. And so we took it on ourselves to actually have a night to bring people together. So what that does, and as I say, I take all this back to um, sporting days is, you know, one day you'll, you'll, you might be out for dinner and you might be sitting there on your own and then you'll look over and you'll see someone you met there that night. So all of a sudden you're not alone. Mm. Um, and I think that you're right. You, that's, a, that's a big, in, that's a huge um, problem that we have in the city that there is a lot of lonely people out there. And I, I just know through people on my, on my own, I see, you know, every, every year we usually go to the Sydney Grand Final with a bunch of blokes, about 15 that we all played footy with. And five or six of those are live in Toowoomba and I see more of them yeah. And they see of each other. And I go, how does that happen? How does that happen? And yeah. you're right. I think, but our social life is a lot more relaxed. Mm. And um, it is, I'll admit, my wife will tell you this. If you ever get the chance to talk to her, that, I'd probably do it a bit too much, but it is pretty good. Well, that sounds like a great thing to be doing. So if we talk about housing, because I think this is a, you know, a point dear to my heart at the moment, but I'm hearing that housing prices are jumping about 14% in regional areas across the country. Um, what's happening in Merway? At the moment, um, pricing's probably um, holding pretty good. It has gone up in the last two years. We have seen a spike of houses sell probably in the last 18 months to two years. The medium house price would be is 175K, I yeah. can tell you that. And the housing market's up about 12%. But I will put that in perspective, as we said, that um, so this is where COVID's really given us an opportunity in regional Australia to, to push this in the fact that two years ago, we couldn't give away a house in regional Australia. We had no jobs. We, you know, everything was a bit stagnant. As I said, we keep going back. We're in the middle of a drought and we still are. But all of a sudden, it's been flipped on its head that we have jobs we have a housing market that's sold. I think I believe there's 60 houses have been sold in in Charleville in the last 18 months. Now, I will say to people that you know there's been some great investments by some younger people where we've had some whether it's a deceased estate or something like that. But I, I know some people that have bought a house for thirty thousand. Now thirty thousand, you can't buy a car for that. Natasha. No. But obviously that that house needs a you know it hasn't been work. renovated for 30 years. And people say to me that's not good for our um, our economy and things like that. But the way our council's looking at it is, well, all right, it's 30,000 now, but if those, and these people are in their 20s, mm. if they invest 100,000, next time around, that's worth 150,000, yeah. 180,000. So all of a sudden, I really think this is what's taught regional, uh, regional Queensland, I'll say, because I could speak on that. And this is a huge impact on all of these councils in the, in the Western um, Alliance, which is from Mount Eyes all the way down through to the border, and which brings in Murway, Charleville. Um, that it's an opportunity for people to, to come out and invest. You can, you know, there's more money in houses at the moment than there is in superannuation because the, the interest rate's so low. So, yeah, so housing-wise, there, um, there is still a lot of potential there. Um, we just got to get it to that point where, you know, we, it's, it's like the chicken and the egg, you know, people won't move unless there's a job, but um, people won't, Will, won't take the job if they can't buy a house yeah. or rent a house. So it's chicken and egg, and we're working really hard in that space with the with both levels of government to try and fix that. 
Yeah, which is great. So one of the things I know you're famous for, Zorro, is starting a football competition. I want to hear that story again. What was your thinking behind that? And what did, I suppose, the town look like when it started? And what does it look like now? Natasha, this is one of those, this is one of those things that happened. Um, I, was, I call it Zorro's time. Um, I work on Zorro's time and um, <laughs> more usually late as with today. Um, but no, it, what, what it came about was I actually coached um, a group of, group of boys from there, under fives right through to under 12s we went to. And we got to the point where we got to under 14s and it, it had stopped. So and a good friend of mine who I went to school with played State of Origin back in um, 1993 and we're, we're best mates. We've got a really good group of mates that we stuck together and we, we did that. And his name is Adrian Vowles. And I just called him up and said, hey, you know, they do these carnivals in different areas. And my idea was to invite six regional, six areas around us, Roma, Blackall, Barkalden, St. George, just to invite those teams and to come out. And then all of a sudden we'd have, if everyone did the same, we'd have a six competitions throughout the year, which was a lot better than nothing. So, so I'll say this and we sit back every, after we finish and it's coming up in three weeks time at the end of February. And so that was back in 2013 and we had three teams turn up to the first Adrian Bowers Cup, which like I said, three out of those six communities took up the opportunity and come out and, and, um, it, it was, you know, it was it was a great weekend. You know, three teams, sixty players, yeah. um, probably, a, and it only went for the day. So we probably, you know, we didn't inject too much into the economy. But I can the the thing the thinking of behind it, just to give you a bit of background, mm. was economic development and the fact that we knew we had a product and we knew that had an invested interest because I wanted those boys and my son was part of that to be able to play different people and so that when you do go to a a different carnival anywhere in Australia or in Queensland, obviously that's where they're, if you go to a state carnival, that's not overawed. So it's no different to when you go to a new job and just give you that confidence. So that's where we started and economic development was, we thought if we could probably get it up to 20 teams and give us good stable, it injects some income into um, the charitable um, economy for a weekend and um, away we went. So yeah, it's a, it's been a whirlwind ride, I'll be honest with you. It's one of those things. It's like me standing from there. I'm thinking, oh, geez, um, how do we get to this point? But I can safely say that last year we had 28 teams, Natasha, and wow. it's um, it injects about 250,000 into the local economy over one weekend. So these guys are coming from all over Queensland. We've had Mount Isa. Um, you know, this year we've had some good mates, and we meet these networks through mm. through sport as we come through. We've got some mates that we played footy with and against that bring teams out. Um, but I'm, I can say that this year we had we started with 46, but I call it the silly season. We always lose a few, but yeah. we're down to 40. But Natasha, that's going to bring potentially 12 to 1300 people into town for that weekend. Um, and so that, as I said before, we got a town of 3300 people. So to yeah. to bring potentially 1200 people, which is a third of your um, population. population it's, it's huge. It really turns... Petrol, that need food, that need accommodation. Um, well, and that's one of the things. So we take... When we when we were kids growing up, and, and Adrian's dad actually coached us, we used to have to go... If we went to St. George, we'd chuck the swags in yeah. and we'd camp. And you get to meet the people. Other teams would be camped beside you. So we're, that's our main goal is that you'll meet someone at the Adrian Vowes Cup that you'll see down the track. Yeah. You know? and, and like, I'll go back. And my main aim was with um, coaching... 
coaching was I say to them, well, the boys, listen, everywhere you go, you say you play rugby league and you say you're from, let's say, Charleville, mm. they'll tie someone in, or do you know X, such and such. And then all of a sudden you're sitting at a, at a pub or a, at a restaurant and you'll be having a conversation with someone. You're not sitting on your own. So we take that back. So we, we're probably going to have four or 500 people camp at the showgrounds, uh, which makes it a carnival atmosphere. Um, it's it's just a it's it's mind boggling. It's just what it's turned into and what it can create is crazy. And I imagine that there's a lot of positive mental health implications for that as well with that mateship. Well, we um not so with that we we've had great support from the QRL. Yeah. So with with the with the Adrian Vows Cup, one of our mates we went to school with is actually the welfare officer at the QRL. So we actually get every team and they talk about the mental health about. Right resilience mm. about turning up and 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 you know be there for your mate uh, look after each other that's that's the sort of message like i say we've always taken it back to that and and I'm, i don't mean to make that a mission statement like i said because if you had said to me six years ago that um yeah, we would have 40 teams in an av cup and i don't even know like i said adrian and i sit back and have a beer on a saturday night about 10 o'clock and just shake our heads and go how do we pull this off mm. it's just we've got a really good team but just those messages and to make it positive, these the, the, those teams wouldn't be coming to Tarval, which is eight and a half hours, guys, at, um, yeah. west of Brisbane. And we get we've got about six Brisbane teams coming out, but it's all about them teaching these kids who don't see each other apart from when they turn up and they train and play. Yeah, it's actually spend a bit of time together and really realise what people in the regional areas go through. Yeah. Um, and it's 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 a, just a great positive. Um, message. I mean, these guys, I'll be honest with you, these guys play six games of 15 minutes. So they're coming out for 90 minutes of football. Yeah. All that way. But it, and it, and it, in is, the heat. it is warm. In the heat, about 30, our warmest has been about 38 in the, at the end of February. So in the heat, but they learn so much about themselves. Mm. Um, and the coaches do too. So they're using it as a bonding um, situation that yeah. the kids go home. And we get messages at the end of the year to say, you guys, what you do, it's really brought our team together and it's yeah it's it's great to hear that stuff but that's what we started out to achieve but i'll be honest with you that's probably where i my council background kicks in then in the fact that all right if we can do that with that let's build it from the ground up this is how you can build an economy yep. because that's one of my passions as i say it's um and i can we we can see that once you get over that 25 team mark that um it just creates its own momentum to with that economy wise in town so let me give you a, a, a magic wand and you can have one wish with your magic wand. What would you do with it? What would your wish be? <laughs> well, our biggest industry, I'm going to have two cracks at this if you don't mind. And my, our biggest industry, <laughs> thank you. Um, agriculture is our biggest industry in, in, the, in the West. And, um, you know, rain, obviously, if we, could have, um, if we could have a wet season every year, I'm sure that our agricultural industry, which is our backbone, would actually, you know, they would take that open-handed and um, it just, as I said, go back to what we said, it creates its own own, um, own economy. So it creates, creates its own um, momentum. Um, my main goal, if I had a magic wand, and I work really hard with, um, with government on this, is let us build it from the bottom. Let... Let, let us build our communities from the bottom. I mean, um, when your biggest industry is doing it really tough, you rely on government. And, you know, in the last four or five years, those government agencies have actually declined. 
So, we, you know, instead of trying to help the situation, you're actually making it harder because every time we lose a job out of these regional areas, we lose a, potentially lose a teacher, yeah. potentially lose a nurse, a doctor, um, because, the, you know, it all works on figures and stuff like that. Now we lose a flight. We've seen that when the, when the services are there, they'll take the flights off us. Um, and it's really hard to fight to keep those services. So if I had a magic wand, I would say, like, I'd fix, choose choose the Murway Shire and Charleville yep. and fix the NBN, give us the opportunity, because we do have a really good um, digital connectivity. We, we have really good, obviously we're, we're talking on Skype mm. here at the moment, so there's no issues there, but give us, give the regional areas um, a little bit of a, uh, an advantage to, to make these places better because they will. We can do more with a million dollars where a big city can do with 10 million. Yeah. So we, could, we really appreciate what we have. And if you happen to give me three wishes. Um, now you're pushing it. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, yeah, just to, and once all that stuff does happen, just leave us alone. Yeah. Because, honestly, we're happy just to have what we have. But that's that's our main goal as council. You've just heard my three mission statements. Oh, yeah. my, my council's three mission statements. That's where we want to get to. And um, But if you've got that wand, I'd love to have it. Yes. I wish I had it. I do wish I had it. Um, so are there any jobs going in town at the moment? Yes, there is. Um, now, there's a lot of hospitality work going. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, I know this is not um, not standalone in Murway, but we, we're really struggling at the moment with um, JobKeeper and JobSeeker, mm-hmm. obviously, with with those services that need... Um, yeah, need to keep running. We need those people to be working those because, yeah, the last thing we do, we, we've lost businesses because of that reason in the last five or six years. And we've been really stable during COVID. We haven't lost a business. So that's that's excellent. But they're, they're all, everyone's singing the same tune that in that hospitality hospitality area, there's there's plenty of jobs going. Now, also there's there's jobs, I mean, just with council, just, just where it's really hard to motivate those young people. And there could be young people out there in those, and I know there is in the city that we had four traineeships go at the council. Now, these are great opportunities to get into local government. And I mean, we had four applicants attached. And because- it's a guaranteed job. You know, one of the things that's happened as a result of COVID is the defence uh, force applications went up 12% because yeah. everyone's going, it's a safe job. I'm going to get paid. The government's going to guarantee my pay, which is what you've got with that traineeship. And traineeships are brilliant because, you know, you're getting paid to learn. It's, it's been really good in that fact that we've had really some good buy-in from the federal and state government. I know we're going to talk about it shortly, but, we, you know, just if, if everyone was to Google Charleville especially, we've just got a training centre that was put there by the federal government for um, for that health system, nurses, um, radiography, stuff like that. So they're, what they're, and they're starting, I'll give the federal government some um, kudos here that they're starting to realise that it's a big gig to get someone from the city to move to the country. So now we need, we need to train these people. Yeah. And if, and there's no better place to train. I mean, you, you know, that, that was what used to happen. If you're a school teacher, you move to the bush and you might meet your potential husband. Yeah. So you'd stay in the bush. So, so that's where I'll, I'll give kudos to the um, federal government. But, other jobs, there's, there's, I spoke to the lady at, um, at the employment agency yesterday and, um, you know, if, if anyone's out there and they would like to Google those jobs, there's plenty of government jobs that come and go, in, um, especially in that health sector. But, um, you know, it's Outback Queensland Jobs and that's run by Rescue. Yeah. Um, Outback Queensland Jobs. So if anyone would like to Google those and at the moment, potentially, they've just had an influx last week, she told me, that they employed about 15 people. So, and I know that probably... You know, that 
potentially to the people that are our listeners that are listening to us right now is probably nothing huge, but 15 people in a community of three and a half thousand that you know, let's face it, half those people are probably kids and elderly is, um, is, is pretty big, you know? So no, that's so there's plenty of opportunity. Seek.com.com is another one, but yeah, I, I, like I said, there's, there's plenty of jobs um, if you're willing to come out and work and there's plenty of jobs, not only that's it. I won't say, um, you know, in that space with those traineeships and things like that, but there's plenty of jobs there also um, in that higher higher bracket of that government job. I spoke to a guy from that moved to Charleville on Saturday at the butcher shop, and he's a doctor. Mm. And he he come from a regional area. He, he was from Rocky. He studied. Yeah. He just took it by both hands and moved his wife out, who works in America, would you believe, as a um, vet science person. So she's going to work her from job Charleville. in Iowa, in Iowa, can you, I can't believe it, but in Iowa, in Charleville. And this guy's just going, I want to come and study for the next three to four years. Because when you're in and you know, in that space and those doctors or in that profession and that specialised profession, in the regional areas, you're doing everything. You're suturing. They get exposure to what my brother's a GP and, you know, they just get exposure to everything. You know, they, they wouldn't get those cases. You know, they wouldn't be allowed to touch them in the city because there's a you hierarchy. Know, yeah, or because of the bureaucracy um mm. but when you're in the bush you know we, one of one of charles biggest asset is the royal flying doctor service yeah. and if anyone hasn't heard of that i mean i, I don't think anyone in that would be listening wouldn't have but we've yeah. got a base in charles and they are they are magnificent what they do for our rural community communities and charles so um you know if you're sick and you needed um, medical attention straight away that needs a specialist they'll fly out um but not only that like I say, that also gives those young professional doctors, nurses, and that in that regard, that they've got the backup. That you know, like I say, that's another thing that COVID's done. We can do this stuff with a specialist, and um, you know, yeah, I really think there's there's plenty of jobs yeah. there, Natasha. If, if anyone wants to work, and we did see that over COVID, that people did move out yeah. to the to these areas to take up opportunity to work. Yeah. So what we're going to do is put those on the show notes. I've got two more questions before yep. we wrap. Number one is. What does the government need to do to help you guys? We have a really good relationship with our federal and state government, but we'll go back to, you know, we, we talk about regionalisation, and um, especially in that government sector, and I'm not being critical, critical of any government here in any remains, but re, they, you know, those people that live in those metropolitan areas called Toowoomba, I'll, I'll use Queensland. I don't know that when they talk about they talk about those bigger centres in bigger regional towns, 50,000 people will... They're not the ones that you uh, we need to look after. And small business in Australia is the biggest employer in, yeah. in in the whole thing. So we really need, if it was the government, if you wanted to really help that opportunity, send some people back to the regions. Um, I know that we've got to give them the choice, but you know, if we, like I said, we break it all down. If we were to get 50 jobs into the Murway Shire, um, which is my goal in the next mm. two years. 50 jobs is potentially 400 people, which takes us back to where we were in 2014, which we were, you know, we were very happy. We were cruising with we our community, our economy. Um, so as far as if, if federal and state government, another big issue we have with um, that we, we take to the federal government, especially is to get people to move to the, um, to the rural areas, give them a tax break, yeah. give them a couple of, give them one or 2% tax break to say, yeah. Listen, you're going to be able to spend time with your kids, but not only that, we're going to give you 14% tax break, plus we're going to give you more super to live in that regional area for four years. Yeah. How easy is it? Yeah. Yep. So, 
Yeah, if if there was, that's just one of the one of the things we need the federal and state governments, and I know they are. They're trying really hard, and that housing is going to be a big issue in the next next 12, 18 months, Natasha. That that's where we need that assistance from the state and federal government. Who you talked about your mentors in the past? Who's been your best boss to date, and what made them your best boss? I'll say that um, when I first went to Toowoomba, um, that I thought I probably knew everything, um, and I met a guy who was his name was Rob Payne. And he had a butcher shop. His dad had a butcher shop, their family butcher shop for about 65 years. And he really taught me about exactly what we talked about. The harder you work, the more you'll get out. The, that quality is better than quantity. Um, and he's still, he's, still, he's still my best mate now. And I, I feel blessed that I walked into the shop that day and asked for a job. And I still call him and ask for advice. And yeah, you just can't buy. And I, like I said, I'll, I'll just go back to that. That's one bit of advice that he gave me. He said, "Don't complain about if you don't complain about something unless you're prepared to get in and do it." And that's probably the best bit of advice I've ever been given. And I've been able to give that out. And yeah, I, I would say I, I do have another mentor. My wife's uncle is Fred Jager in in Charleville, and um, yeah, he's been more like a second father to Kerry and Kerry and myself. And mate, just those people that we see how hard they work and how they build that build their um, yeah, and they don't want for anything. They, they don't need the, the big houses or anything like It's all about family and doing the best you can. So those two guys are probably the biggest mentors I've had coming through. And, um, yeah, very privileged that I got to meet those guys. Brilliant. Zoro, it's been so much fun chatting with you and learning about what's happening in your part of the world. Um, if people want to get in touch with you, what's the best way to contact you? If anyone would even think about what we've been talking about today, yeah. Nash, I would be very privileged if they reached out touch base because i i would love to talk to anyone that's looking for a tree change but you can contact me via email on sean s-h-a-u-n underscore radnage r-a-d-n-e-d-g-e at merway m-u-r-w-e-h dot q-l-d dot g-a-v dot a-u and like i say if anyone is even thinking about me even if it wasn't to our area in western queensland even if it was in western new south wales and you want to talk about what we do um i would just love them to reach out because i believe that these regional areas are really going to going to be our future and we're going to go back to teaching our kids on how how it is brought up and how and like i say there's there's opportunities galore in the bush if there's if you're thinking about starting a business do it in merway Fantastic. Love it. Love it. Thank you so much. Um, so um, if you enjoyed this interview, you'll also enjoy our interview with Sarah Prime, who is a social entrepreneur by accident, who has been working for a long time now on rural community contraction, decline and exodus around the world. And it's going to be fascinating to see what she's seeing now. Um, Zorro, thanks for being a, such a wonderful guest. To our listeners, thanks for listening. Um, and if you did enjoy this episode, do remember to subscribe. Thank you, Zoro. Thank you, Natasha. And thank you for thinking of us. No problem. I'm Natasha Hawker. And remember, your employees really do matter. I hope that you've enjoyed today's episode of Employees Matter podcast with Natasha Hawker. For episode notes and other resources, please visit employeematters.com.au forward slash podcast. While you're there, you might like to subscribe for future episodes so you can continue to thrive during the COVID-19 crisis. Please be sure to share this and other episodes with your friends, team and business network. This podcast was proudly brought to you by Ring Central.